down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 140 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. Episode 140. Absolutely wild. And I've got... Uh, I've I've felt a, a fair bit of guilt for for professing to be an Australian show and doing sweet FA Australian content lately. Uh, mostly that's because I've been in the states, but partly because I've just had a lot to do, a lot of reviews, a lot of retrospectives. I'm trying to charge and get and chase down the end of this edition. But to that end, I'm here to ease my guilt and hopefully put out some phenomenal. Uh, downing unders content for you guys on brand so i've pulled over funnily enough I've, I've got one guy on here who isn't an australian but he's an honorary australian or at least an honorary carambri can can be barbarian if you don't know what that is his name is sam lennon you may know him welcome to the show mate thank you for having me adam yeah thanks everyone and of course we have our ever faithful ever reliable australian analyst denith from the normal blokes hello brother it is lovely to be here Thank you for having my, me on. My absolute pleasure. Um, this is the part of the program where we get you boys to plug, but I'll go first just to set the tone. Art of War is a two-part podcast, for those of you who do not know. First part comes out Tuesday mornings. Second part comes out at the same time, but only over on Patreon now. You can't get it anywhere else. You have to go to Art of War Down Under over on Patreon, and you'll get the part two of this. I've also been doing kind of a, uh, I guess, a travel blog or a live blog of my journey playing the game, enjoying the game, etc., etc. And that's also a little bit of bonus content you can find over there. That's Art of oil down over on patreon but hand pass over to denise tell us about the normal blokes mate what are these guys got going on what's your next episode tell us all the things yeah thanks man um so yeah i run uh run a little little show with some of my good friends up here in queensland the normal blokes 40k podcast we're all about improving the competitive 40k experience and we've we've had adam on in the past you know where we're uh, a little bit slower on the old content creation than than art of war down under but we're into the into the hundreds of episodes so uh that's pretty fun mm. um our next step we've actually we're actually recording in about 12 hours we've got Skari jumping on and um we're going to talk all these pointy years so it'll be a lot of fun um and yeah look we're 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 big on uh Talking about what's going on in Oz, um, especially leading up to our state versus state champs and, and WTC, you'll be pumping out a lot of content Hell yeah. towards uh, towards that. So look forward to it. Hell yeah! Are you are you playing for Queensland, mate? Are you coaching? Uh, I'm on the Mercs this year, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so me and a bunch Very of the nice. guys are, are going to going to run the run the vanguard for the Queensland team on Mercs. That'll be a lot of lot of fun, lot of fun. Still on tap. So I don't have any friends. <laughs> I'll definitely give you some opportunities to talk some smack, should you wish. Uh, Sam, tell us about what you're doing. You've actually launched a, a brand new show for yourself as well. Most recently, of the 40k Frontiers over on Best in Tabletop. But tell us about your new ventures. Yeah. So um, as Adam alluded to, so I was part of the team that did 40k. Frontiers with forty uh, with the best in tabletop network. Um, great group of people. Unfortunately, just due to life and varying circumstances, uh, was unable, unable to continue doing the show. But um, I've split and done two separate things now. So uh, part of the Australia Australis Tabletop Wargaming Network. So uh, it's a rebranded sort of content creator who basically with there's a group of lads who are trying to live stream and commentate on games over here in Australia. So most recently the down under 40k major, which was live streamed and on Twitch and uploads going on YouTube and more and more events coming up, including one this upcoming weekend as you guys are listening to it called Clash of the Clans. So look doing some live stream commentating, uh, maybe get a personal insight and look into what these crazy Australians play and what random terrain and styles of list they play. But also um 
as well as that, the Down Under 40K um, network. So not to be confused with the other Art of War Down Under, but um, a group of lads in New South Wales originally, they've been doing this podcast scene and hosting tournaments for a long, long time. Um, and they're now trying to branch out and do more content creation. So uh, myself, as well as uh, another gentleman and his part, our friend, Michael, are trying to create extra content. So I launched the Wide World of 40K, as now it's being loaned, and basically trying to talk to people, obviously, all across Australia, New Zealand, the Pacific, as well as looking to expand outside of the world um, and find out more about well, the Wide World of 40K. So starting with what Denise sort of alluded to, the ANZ Team Champs, so it's like a state versus state, region versus region, uh, 8v8 WTC style team champs. And yeah. we're going going through and interviewing each state and region about how their prep is going from last year, what they're trying to improve on, what some expectations are. So, yeah. Um, so one section of that's been released already with the ACT team. And then uh, as this is released, the South Australia team will be coming up very shortly. And uh, everything is also scheduled for all the other states and regions. So, yeah, you can definitely Dude, catch that on. Very, very nice. Yes. Really excited of that one. Um, that, that, that name, it's just Wide World of 40K. Wonder where you got that from. Definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, finally, I was actually, <laughs> uh, so uh, finally, I was actually a suggestion. So um, for people outside, so they're say like the Wide World of Sports was actually the original idea. So it's like a... That's, that's I, right. It's very simple. Yeah, so like very similar to like NBC Sports, ESPN, mm-hmm. that's one of our like channel programs is known as Wide World of Sports. And someone relabeled, it's like, why would we do the Wide World of 40K? And I was like, that's bingo. Because I was trying to toy up ideas. So it's so, smashed so, it. So. I'm not saying you stole this in any way from me because you, I know you didn't. But I have a podcast plan that I wrote out about four years ago in my Google Drive for all the different podcasts I thought I could ever do. And one of them was the Wide, Wide World of, 40, of Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like I've got like a, a full page spread of what the show would be. Uh, it's actually amazing. But dude, hell yeah, that sounds exciting. So I can't wait to listen to it. So jumping in, this is a little bit of a down under expose. We're going to be talking about the beautiful flavors of 40k from the the, the lovely down under. The uh, you know, essentially, if you look at the map of Australia, yeah, anything that's green is okay, and anything that is brown is is a bit stuffed. It's generally ge- geography-wise, that's it. So one of the things you'll know about Australia, for anybody listening at home, is we're pretty spread out. So take that into account with all the things we talk about here. But, Denise, starting with you, give us a little bit of your rundown of the uh, the year so far for Australia in 40K. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd be wrong to say that the only city that matters is Brisbane, but um, Ooh, we, we yes, tend to. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but look, it's been a it's been a pretty pretty packed year. Like at the start of the year, we had you know arcs popping onto the scene. We had the Guard Codex um, just before that, you know, making waves. And I guess the big tournament at the start of the year we had was Uprising, wasn't it? It was um, mm-hmm. you know the big three day super major or our biggest biggest event of the year. Um, so far um and essentially it was dark angels and marines getting a revamp we had you know guard unnerfed but without the special units like without mm-hmm. Lord solar and things um doing the doing the runs and then we recently like uh like sam alluded to we had the uh Madawi major which um kind of saw the saw the back end of the guard dark angels going really hard um and then we mm-hmm. had big eric just coming through with the gsc on top of that so <laughs> it was a it was a really interesting start to the year a lot of the factions i guess that you saw um in kind of the top top 10 top 20 were 
were similar to what uh, what some of the other big countries are playing. But uh, as as always, I think we have our a little bit of flavour, a little bit of spice. Oh no, I was about to say, say it ain't so. Surely we're not finally falling in line with the rest of the world. We're maintaining our our ridiculous levels of silliness. Sam, what about yourself? What are your impressions of the year so far? Yeah, it's been a crazy jam-packed year already. So, like, normally from what I understand, like, after that post LVO, so obviously end of January, there's a bit of a slump, and I'm sure with all the, I guess, wide rumour of 10th edition coming, generally I anticipated more of a slump, so people just sort of slowing things down, maybe focusing on other things or games, but... Mm-hmm. It's just been consistent. So since Uprising, which was just the week before LVO for people just to get a bit of a uh, date sort of idea, um, since there's been heaps of events, so I understand. So there's a group out of Victoria, so Risky Rollers. They've been running like a GT and RTT every month. So it's been crazy down there in Victoria. So your neck of the woods, Adam, or your former neck of the woods. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be back soon. Sorry. You'll be back soon. Yeah, as Denise alluded to, so New South Wales, so where that down under 40k major was, it's just been consistent. Like that scene has just been absolutely ridiculous, just constantly having like a GT equivalent, if not mm. a major, every month. And then Queensland's always prodding along as well with various events, um, as well as other states and territories. So all the way out in the middle of nowhere, not middle of nowhere, but Western Australia, I'm sure there's still events happening um, with the Objective Secured crew. And yeah, it's just been consistent, honestly. It's now it's not going to slow down at all, but there's still events lined up and events are selling out like hotcakes. Like mm. you cannot get, yeah. you, if you do not buy a ticket for an event within almost the t- first 24 hours, uh, good luck. Legitimately That's just exciting. good luck. That's really <laughs> yeah, exciting. Bonkers. Um, so there's a, uh, I think there was a, did I hear someone was trying to launch another three day event in Australia for the first time? We're trying to have more than one three day event in our yeah. calendar year. Tell us about this, Denise. Yeah. So, um, in, in Brisbane up here, the, the Northside Alliance, the TNA guys are running their TNA Open again. And they had an awesome two-day last year, but this year they're doing a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. So so three days. I've already taken my leave. Um, oh, yeah. They started selling tickets this week, and they're already above 110. So Damn. it is big. Um, and this is Yeah, this is without a few other states kind of committing to it as well. So I think it's going to be massive. It's going to be the biggest event we've seen in Queensland in a minute. Um, we actually had a team event up here that had close to 110 players total as well, uh, drawn by Josh McGowan. So yeah, it is, it is pumping, but, uh, the fact that we've got another three day on the calendar is very, very cool. Exactly right. Cause that's been one of the biggest things that we haven't had. It'd been like our calendar has the one three day. Um, so we always, I mean, ITC wise, we always had this hard cap on how many points you could actually get in Australia. Yeah. And so we could never really compete with uh you know in in the actual rankings and we're probably still not gonna i mean have you guys paid any attention to what ha- what is happening in the uk that, that shit's oh, it's, on fire. it's incredible it's <laughs> That's like, ridiculous yeah you, you can't really catch it but at the end of the world i mean it's all right we're, we're still we're still pretty good at what we do <laughs> Yeah, we're still yeah, world we, champs. That's what really matters, right? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, Denise, you still you still some affiliation with the Team Australia this year? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, I've been been lucky enough to be invited back in the head coach role, so we're we're ramping up pretty hard. Uh, obviously, Beautiful. still waiting a bit on tenth, but uh, but yeah, there's still a lot going on behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, I can, I can, I can pretty much say from what I can, what I've heard about a bunch of the other national teams, everyone's kind of got their picks and is still just like treading water. But I have some questions for you. Should they come up? So, all right, uprising happens. Uh, it is the uh, capstone of last year, but it's technically in this year. Won by uh, the amazing Queenslander himself, Liam Hackett, team and captain. Sorry, captain of Team Australia. 
he wins with custodies, can proceeds to, in a true Australian fashion, proceeds to set the world on fire as to an archetype that no one then goes to win with, <laughs> essentially. Uh, the uh, the 20 and 30 warden list has uh, been used prolifically, but I don't believe has won a three day since. It's probably definitely won some and uh, had some uh, really good success. This seems to be the tail of the tape for Australian, uh, you know, major victories. People coming out of left field with a hot meta pick that is ripe for the times, but doesn't seem to be able to go the distance in the addition. Is that something that um, you guys see happens quite frequently in Australia? Yeah, well, I'd say 100%. So, obviously, that uh, Liam Hackett 20 Warners list sort of has set the world on fire, as you said. So, I know it's taken traction, obviously, in the UK. I want to say Josh Roberts was trying that list out and yep, did yep. various iterations of it. So, it was like 30 Warners and then 25 Warners, which I believe he took to the International Team Championship, uh, International Team uh, mm-hmm. event that um, was run over there. So, I think there's been iterations. And um, so, myself and Denise, we've played actually quite a bit of TTS together, funnily enough. So, uh, we see actually quite a very various bills at 20 warden lists being played and tried out and the various discords always discussed how good it is and how it's placed. But it's the funny how I think that list was designed for those maps and the terrain and mm. Liam has a very specific way of playing it. So in the sense of uh, when you listen to obviously the normal blokes sort of broke it down, Liam used it as wrapping and trapping and doing things, yep. whereas people just yep. sort of use it as a stat checks. Like, let me just roll my four ups and hope exactly for the best right. and kill, kill stuff. They're using it as the uh, the evolution of the the Leviathan Tyranids almost just the, <laughs> just the warriors stat checking people yeah whereas Liam was using it as a very technical um, play pattern. Um, what was the next? What's been the next big one after that, Denise? After Uprising? Um, are you talking about meta armies or yeah? Like yeah. What, what yeah. was the next big winner in Australia? Look, I think like Eric's GSC has just been like that. That thing's really scary in my eyes. Yeah. I, got, I got absolutely clapped by it the other the other day. Um, I mean, fair but, enough. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like that's been something that's been super interesting since last year. Like other other nations are picking it up, and and other players are, are running, you know, running weird in iterations of it. Um, but then even more recently, we saw at uh, the Madawi Major the the updated rusted claw version, which, mm. um, you know, no one really looked at or considered up until now. And then Eric's just taken that book and, and run with it. Um, we're also seeing some super interesting stuff, uh, out of New South Wales, uh, with space wolves. Um, I saw Chris Wright still on the space yep. wolf train yep. from, uh, from uprising, carrying it on. And that's super interesting. I know, I, I think it was Alex Harrison that ran it in the UK, um, quite recently. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's still, you know, that kind of build and, and army is still making waves. But, um, the, the one thing that stands out in the last six months and of what makes us a little bit different is, is that GSC list that Eric is uh, yeah, the version well, of it that he's using you know, per, per week. <laughs> legitimately, though, I think this is the first Eric list that other people have been able to get wins with. Because um, essentially, the, the, for many, I want to say for generations, but it's not for, it's for like maybe an edition and a half uh, now, or if not, uh, the better part of 7th and 8th edition. Um, we have had people, players like Eric Faction Specialist, who have made meta-defining armies that haven't thrived in other people's hands eric's eric's best example with uh, gaunt carpet last edition the dude um didn't lose a game for about nine months and i, w- I know i was there i ca- casted i was live streaming most of those games um and yeah but literally just about no one else on this planet was able to get big wins with that list whereas the gsc list that he he did archetype and pilot to wtc which has then caught fire become the dominant archetype and has been piloted that archetype has been piloted to what is right now the number one ranked faction in the game 
as per the, <laughs> as per the current stats. This is wild. This is wild to unpack, boys. What do you think? Oh, it's insane. Like that list is insane. So obviously Eric's WTC version was like, I guess the first iteration Obviously, yep. having the trucks and stuff like that, the uh, training wheels version per se, then Eric iterated on that again, as people picked it up, it's like, Oh, I'll try this list out. Eric built the counter list for it with like 140 neophytes or whatever crazy amount it was. And then mm-hmm. as built on it then further again with this new rusted claw build, um, and I know other people have taken it in different ways. So I want to say Nick Rose in the US was t- trying now yep, Popper yep. Princes. Some people are trying to still play that Myriad cult style. So obviously Innes took it to some success over in the UK and he's taking it to, as you're listening, the Alpine Cup this weekend. So I know people are still playing it. And um, obviously Dustin Henshaw in the Canada, as well as some, I know some other Canadians are still playing GSC. So uh, look, but Eric's going to iterate and try new things. So um, if you, I don't, I'm sure you'll alluded to it more further on, but he's got run a new thing called Alien Majesty. So if you actually want to mm-hmm. hear more deep dives on it, just go listen to it. And it's really great content because from a great mind, like written out and explains exactly why that. he's gone that route. Um, obviously with the new Dark Angels and stuff like that. So yeah, it's um interesting to see. And yes, as you said, it's taken quite a bit of um steam and people are playing it now and getting good results. Mm. It's, it's well, like he's, well, I was going to say, it's like he's kind of invented fire, right? Like the book was yeah. out for five, six months. No one really touched it or did much with it. And then and then Eric's kind of started this fire and uh, everyone else is kind of taking mm-hmm. it and running with it. And now it's such Catch, a yeah. dominant force, like in so many places. It's so cool. Well, it's it's really kind of wild. So I li- uh, uh, just to, to take some shine off Eric for a second there, it literally took him like two years to to. to to fund enough jackals to make the list work because they're just expensive in Australia. <laughs> Took a second mortgage on the house just to fund it. It's not that he was. It's not that he was waiting. He was. He just couldn't afford the models yet. Like just, just he was just like, damn. If only I could have thirty jackals. But anyway, um, uh, Alien Majesty. Yeah, go check it out. I I literally signed up uh, last week. Jump on support Aussie content creators. Even if even if GC isn't your gig, just support Aussies. Get get into it. Um, Moving on, so we've had a couple of decent-sized, um, a couple of decent-sized team events as well. The one up there in Brizzy, the 100-player event you mentioned. Um, what was the dominant archetype? What was like the number one? Didn't drop any BPs apart from Eric uh, at that event. <laughs> um, look, a few people did really well. Um, Liam was was mucking around with a really interesting uh, Necron list, Liam Hackett, and uh, that did that quite nicely with Nihilak and a whole bunch of Ghost Arcs. Um, big Lukey on the Dark Angels, and in general at this event, Dark Angels went really hard. I don't think uh, people really expected or accounted for what they might do, um, especially in a team environment when you have agency on things like table. Yeah. Um, so that was that was huge. Um, Guard did quite well, but I, I think some of the teams that took Guard were a, a bit underwhelmed in certain matchups. I know we got a lot of intel for ANZTC about how to pair against Guard from this event. Um, but yeah, look, I think it, it was interesting because that room at that team event, like mm. I, I just felt it was incredibly stacked. You had almost the whole Australian national team there. You had most of like the big the big states uh, ATC teams up to kind of battle it out. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the the top end of that event in terms of the single rankings um, were, the, were the big name players, um, more so than the factions, I'd say. But but there was, um, yeah, it was kind of the Dark Angels' first real showing, I think. Hey, Sam? Yeah, I mean, so, like, obviously, I think initially we saw the Dark Angels at Uprising. So, obviously, Damien Ridgewell took mm. our Dark Angels to second place there. And we're like, oh, yes. wow, fantastic. Wow, that's a great result for Dark Angels. And then we've just seen the slow evolution and um, 
polarization of dark angels everywhere. So people taking yeah. 40 plus terminators and just existing and being the most uh, boring list ever. Apologies for uh-huh. people who love the dark wing oh terminators. No. But no, look, no, no, oh. no, 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 do not hold back. I'm, I am dark angels through and through and those MFs are boring. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, look, I had to shoot myself through 46, I think, Dark Angels Terminators in one list, and I was like, oh, my God, Riptides, just five turns, let's go, let's start now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the worst. It just, it, oh, my God. Just the, I, I want to find out, like, the actions per army. You know how you got actions per minute on, like, FPS, <laughs> on, like FPSs and RTSs and things like that? You play StarCraft 2, actions per minute. I want to know how low the actions per game or actions per turn Dark Angels are. It's got to be the worst. It's got to be the bottom of the barrel. Like, good lord. Roll, roll your litanies, roll your advance rolls. Congrats. To your opponent. Turn, yeah. turn is over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask them about their day. How about that weather, hey? Congratulations, <laughs> you are beige incarnate. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so bad. Anyway, um, also, I think the addition, I think uh, Big Will is has Minton of the um, the national team has jumped on them with, he's, is he Not packing like the, the desolators yeah. now as well? The, the fluffy dog over there. <laughs> Yeah, so no, Will Milton, so obviously newest Team Australia um, member, so he's playing for the first time, so congrats to him. Uh, I know guard extraordinaire for Team Queensland, coming in, saving the day, last minute. Very oh, Lord Solar himself. Huge right. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, so I know he took it to the down under 40k major, and he so pivoted to it, so look, Dark Angels are so prevalent, and uh, he was he's he's been allegedly high on those um, Desolation Marines for a while, and he took them to the down 40k major and surprised everyone. I think he and one other person, Michael, were the only people to take Desolation Marines, while the rest of the world have figured it out. We, Australia may be a bit behind, so maybe not the six months ahead, as we like to proclaim. Uh, but yeah, he's been doing really well with those, and taking a bit of a different spin, and I know there's been a bunch of others taking Dark Angels as well. So I the, the six months ahead thing, this has been a thing that people have said about our meta for a very long time, and it has held true pretty well for a long while, with the exception of new models. We we are slow on the uptake of new models because we can't get the effing things, essentially. So I'm not surprised about the Desolation Marines being uh, – we're, we're a little bit behind the eight ball there, and I would not be surprised if the further uh, – we go further down this bad rabbit hole. Anyway um, – <laughs> What Aussie content are we enjoying at the moment, boys? What are you guys listening to? Of course, Sam, you have your own shows, but what do you listen to in your own time? Oh, look, so I, I'm, a, I guess, a podcast addict. I listen to so much. So thankfully, with my job, I'm able to listen to a bunch of podcasts and YouTube videos. So obviously, shout out to Denethan and all blokes. Obviously, you guys should be listening to that already. Uh, I mentioned them before as well. I mentioned them there before as well, but Risky Rollers, so they're a bunch of people trying to produce some podcasts and like battle reports. Um, they do a good job and they're really doing their best uh, best, and they're branching out more and more and more. So a bit more generalist, not as Australian specific, but still great. Uh, there's also a bunch of like battle report stuff if that's up your alleyway. So I know Legends of Lore, a lot more casual, but narrative based, but beautiful sets and like well shot uh, videos as well as Barnyard Wargaming, um, a guy from New South Wales who does some battle reports, so more casual and narrative, but then also some competitive games as well. And I'll be mi- I missed to not mention, um, I believe it's Blood for the Blog God. Apologies, I get that all mixed up all the time. It's, it's either one I or the too, other. Man. So. I can barely say it, right? <laughs> oh, he's uh, that, the uh, Dean, the man behind it, has been absolutely insane, like pumping out so much content like daily. So uh, look, mm. if you're after anything chaos-related, he is the person for it. And 
Uh, not as frequently, but if you want to hear from the complete opposite end of Australia, Objective Secured, they release like once a month or so, once every two months. But Michael Basque um, and his wife, they produce some great content and very long form content, but very well done. And um, so more the archetypical reviews. So just for clarity's sake, so um, if you think of a picture of the US, uh, map of the US, where we are all based is basically on the east coast, so like where Washington DC is, uh, is roughly where Brisbane is. Uh, down near Sydney is like where Tampa Bay, Florida is. So it's a, a way a super far away. Where Perth and WA is, it's all the way across near LA. So it's a, so far away. It's like three mm-hmm. or four different time zones across. So yep. it's a massive, massive difference. So that's, that gives you a bit of a granularity of how far away we all are. It is wild. All right, Denise, what are you listening to? What are you enjoying, Matt? Yeah, look, for, for someone who is involved in making, you know, competitive 40K content, I actually don't listen to or consume a massive amount. Um, I love what the Down Under 40K guys are doing. Like, every time stuff comes out with them, I, I love listening to it. Um, big shout out to uh, a bit of a new kid on the scene with Ethos uh, releasing podcasts. We've got Simon and, and Ducky up here in Brisbane. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they've they've released some awesome apps recently. I would really encourage anyone that's that's keen to follow along with um, the really high-end competitive stuff, and especially leading into WTC stuff to check them out. Um, we had a, a little um, inter-club team event here up in Brisbane, and, and me and Sam were both at that. Um, and, you know, the, the deconstruction and breakdown they did after that event was amazing. So a big, big shout-out to them, and, and go and check them out. Ethos is uh, is going to be a big, big player in the scene. Um, but, mate, I have actually been loving listening to a bit of Horus Heresy at the moment. Ooh. I've been deep in the Siege of Terror. I've done like two re- re-listens of a few of the books and oh, I'm, I'm just waiting for the last book. I, I'm a massive heresy buff. Like where I'm recording now, nice. I look to my left and I've got like a whole bookshelf of all the heresy books and I freaking love it. Oh, I did so, not know that, mate. That is awesome. I, I, am, yeah. I am the same. I'm I'm trying to tempo out my enjoyment of the end and the death. So I only yeah. listen to about half an hour to an hour of it every day yeah. just, to get, just, just to get a little drip feed. Otherwise, I'll eat the whole thing and be disappointed. Oh, it's really hard to follow on from Echoes of Eternity. Echoes was mm. amazing. <laughs> it was really good. I do have some criticisms, but it yeah. was mwah, chest kiss setting everything up perfectly. Uh, anyway, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk a yeah, bit this, about this. Ain't a heresy podcast? <laughs> not, not yet. We might, Denise. Maybe you know, maybe might be time, buddy. We, we yeah. put our minds together. We heard the Heresy Law podcast with two competitive forty k <laughs> players. I'm sure that'll go down me. well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's talk a little bit about tenth and how we're feeling about it so far. So I haven't talked about tenth much on this show yet. The things that Warhammer community has been releasing but uh who wants to jump in do you sam you want to jump in give us your impressions of things that have been coming uh, being a drip fed our way yeah sure so obviously the announcement of 10th edition has got everyone super excited i think it's the worst kept rumor ever i feel like we've known 10th edition is coming or had a great like 90 percent chance knowing it was coming for the past year or two mm. years so it's and now it's finally happening right obviously being announced at adepticon and we've got a lot of information already so noting we still don't know when it's a, going to be released i mean there's some hint hint nudge nudge rumors around june time so middle of june um but we'll see what happens and i think honestly i'm excited i think the simplification simple oh, what's the apologies what's the term they use is it simple oh. simplified not simple that's the one simplified not simple i think that's fantastic as uh we want more and more people to join this hobby whether it's competitively or narratively or just to paint and as long if the, the edition is good and the game is good it brings more and more people in and to enjoy this wonderful hobby so i think mm. i'm excited and like the the way in which they've done stratagems obviously having 
uh, timing effects of things, having the data cards or the data sheets in which they have all the abilities on there to make it nice and easy with indexes. So people can hold those indexes and refer to them nice and easily instead of going through five different books trying to figure out where this thing is relevant to. Um, Mm -hmm. And that sort of iteration of what it sounds like to be faction abilities to be on two A4 pages is fantastic. And I am really much looking forward to it. Denith, what are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, look, I'm I'm really excited. I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can, but but honestly, it's it's looking cool in the sense that they're removing all the barriers to entry for the game. Like mm. the the reason I think the reason a lot of us play this game is we love the setting, right? We love the universe, we love the backstory. Like we're we're not playing chess, we're playing 40k because we enjoy 40k. Like that's that's part of it. So when you look at a new player going into into the game, having stuff simply or simply simple to access rule set on like data cards having universal special rules back again which hopefully won't get too crazy but a a simple way to learn the way you play the game and learn how things interact and then have like a well what's being alluded to is like a a bit of a trap card dynamic of of strats and abilities clicking off in real time against an opponent that's very cool as well like it, it it means there's less remembering a whole page of what your opponent like can do with 100 different strats they might not ever use and instead just learning some basic units, basic rules, basic universal abilities. That That's very cool and appears mm. very streamlined from what I can see, which is great. Exactly right. And yeah, so it looks like they're trying to cut out a lot of the chaff. And obviously, like, I mean, any, any one of our factions that we play, boys, probably can reach into a well of 30-plus strats and you use less than 10. Like, I, some factions use, use less than five actively in a competitive game. So I think this is absolutely the right way to go. Um, seeing as you are both overtly positive, I feel the need to be the negative voice here. Did either <laughs> of you boys go through Index Hammer in 8th edition? How long have you guys been playing? Yeah, I, I started, like, in the last year of 7th. So 8th right. edition Indexes was, uh, was interesting. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, Sam? No, fortunately or unfortunately, I didn't get to start playing competitive tournaments until well after, uh, like, the tail end of 8th edition, early 9th. So um, I remember watching the mini wargaming videos there when 8th edition was announced and hearing about all the indexes and stuff like that. So I was like, I was very bright-eyed, bushy-tails, like, wow, this sounds amazing, all these free stuff. But hearing the horror stories of WTC <laughs> for that year with all the Razorwing flocks and the very Storm cheap Ravens. units, it, yep. oh, it sounded miserable. So, uh, look, but it sounds like overall, obviously – People were quite negative about, oh, no, all these free rules, index hammer again is happening. But it's, I don't know, I think the sentiment from what I've seen is quite positive that hopefully they can't screw up twice, GW. Surely not, right? <laughs> right, guys? Yeah, right? I mean, like, like I, I think the biggest thing is the state of the game has been so in flux. Like, I can literally almost pinpoint, like, from the release of Drakari in 2021, I believe, mm-hmm. until, like, until Nephilim. It was like being in a tsunami. <laughs> it was, it it was, was like being, being in an absolutely ridiculous world where everything's changing every two weeks with like an FAQ or a new book. And it's just been chaotic, right? So like I'm just seeing the 10th edition as like a bit of a breath of fresh air and hopefully we get something a little bit more chill for a bit and then we can kind of branch out from there, which will be cool. Yeah. Um, uh, there's no way... That something isn't busted in the indexes. Oh no no, something's like, gonna be cooked. Something's gonna be absolutely exactly cooked. Right, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. There's gonna be there's gonna be numerous things that are cooked, and all that matters is how fast GW is on the uptake about get fixing those things. Um, whereas in the indexes, we had we had like a toxic meta for, ooh, I don't want to say six months, but it felt like that long. It might only have been three, but you know, because we had we went from 
uh, the Storm Ravens with Gilliman and then just then the Storm Ravens and the Storm Ravens and Storm Ravens and Razorwing Flocks and the Malefic Lords into, you know, Alphabet Chicken into all these different variations of just ultra-value ridiculousness. Like, what is the dumbest crap I can get for the points? Um, okay. And then, yeah, it, it, it feels like we just rolled, went from one broke thing archetype to another. I don't want to see that happen. I want to see G-Dub just listen to the community, get them all identified and all fixed at the same time. Not just like nerf one. Here's just another broke thing that emerges immediately afterwards. Um, that would definitely be my preference. And you're absolutely right. Like I'm going to, I'm actually going to do a, a bunch of episodes when we, when we finally get a release date for ninth. And um, I'm going to do like two episodes, just pretty much running down the journey of ninth edition. But um sam give us your like uh one sentence impression of ninth edition now in when it's in the rearview mirror what do you think people will remember it for oh that is a good one i would say overpowered overpowered and overpowered and just pure escalation yeah yep i i think that's that is a very fair one what about you denith yeah just i'd say like very complex and like very difficult for a new player to engage with and and very difficult for someone who doesn't keep their finger on the pulse like like we all do to actually keep up like that that's probably the biggest thing like some of my mates who play more casually they're just lost they're literally lost after coming back after like three Mm -hmm. months and the game's just different dude that that is that is a perfectly said um you, you could literally just, if you take your finger off and try and put it back on, the spot is missed. Oh, yeah. The spot is gone. It has moved. The terms and conditions of the game have changed completely. The T's and C's. It's been a while since I said T's. It's been a while since I said T's and C's. The bingo card is getting full, guys. Yeah, um, well, we, we kind of take it for granted, right? Because we're, we're like, I, my gut feeling, this is me at least, like, I'm always kind of thinking about 40K. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. It's always me kind too. of in the back of my mind. So we're always up to date. Like, that's not everyone. So keeping yeah. up as a, a more casual person is so hard. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope, you don't, I hope you don't think too much about 40k during surgery, Denise. You know, just drilling a bit too much. You have a list idea concept. Like, no, oh, I, 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 I think about my battle suits moving on a 44 by 60 while I'm doing a root canal all the time. That's right. That's right. And then, <laughs> then he looks down at his hands and he realizes <laughs> it's an industrial weapon. And you're like, oh my God, industrial affinity. I could have plus one oh. hit now um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a dentist. But uh, the my impression, yeah, would be um, six months of glory. Two and a half years of chaos is is my impression of ninth edition, and that six months was naturally was the uh, yeah was the Nephilim meta that we got. Apart from that, this edition has been fair to say an absolute basket case of a thing, um, a, a, a hell of a roller coaster. It's been fun though. Like I haven't, I can't say this edition hasn't been enjoyable to be a part of, but good lord, did it have to be like this? Could it oh, just yeah, be a little like- bit more steady, please? Like, how much did the game grow this edition, right? Like, there's so much growth in so many facets. Um, mm. it's, it's a darn shame the competitive game has been has been cooked. But, yeah, there's still a lot of positives to glean from it, that's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so, uh, so uh, obviously uh, the game no, has been obviously adjusted. Because uh, obviously so, this edition... Oh, go, you go, Adam. No, 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 you go, Sam. Go, go. Sorry, I was going to say, obviously, North Edition, though, has been quite effective, though. Obviously, it got released in the middle of COVID, like the initial outbreak of the pandemic, and all supply chains and stuff just got absolutely pushed and cooked. So I think it would be interesting to see what this edition would have been with a proper release schedule, and hopefully 10th edition is that. Obviously, a lot more simplified in what we've talked about and what the initial impressions are. It's great, but we'll see. And I think getting that initial release of codexes and other supplements or things that may come out will be fantastic, and we won't have, I guess, that 
extended duress of Drukari and Dark Angels and Admech just ruining things. Obviously, Dark Angels was a bit more of a shorter time, but Drukari and then Admech and then other codexes that came out are these squeak buggies. So I think they obviously probably dominated the meta a lot longer than what maybe we expect moving forward. And I guess, obviously, we saw the repercussions of that with Leagues of Votan um, getting nerfed initially, but they were tested with Eldari and Tunids, which were what is it five, released five, six months beforehand at least. Mm-hmm. So yep. like, if those are all closer together, I think we get a much better picture and a healthier picture overall. And yeah, I'm ex- oh, excited for 10th edition to oh. get a proper release schedule, hopefully with everything set up. I, I totally agree. And I want a, I want an edition where the entire, it, it, it's obvious that the entire thing was planned from the start. It feels like there's been three distinct facets of, of this edition. The first one being essentially the first three books, which was uh, was it? It was Necrons, um, Space Marines, and then also oh, then by extension a couple of Space Marine supplements, and then Death Guard, and then we literally just jumped the shark straight to Jakari, got an absolute insanity level of power, and then somehow jumped the sh- re-racked, jumped the shark again, and went up in power again when we went to Tyranids and and the and the like there. So, but anyway, we'll say we'll, we'll table that and talk a bit more about tenth. Um, Denise, staying with you, mate. What do you want from tenth edition? Like, what 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 is on Denise's wish list? Ooh, what do I want from tenth? Um, look, I I actually really enjoyed. Like we've talked about this before, and I know you've talked about it a fair bit. There was that window in eighth edition that was yeah. bloody beautiful in twenty nineteen, right? Where where everything could kind of compete, and you know there were different ways to to map out how a GT could be won. Like it wasn't just one build that was winning. There were different armies that could play and and hang, and they were winning the game in different ways. It wasn't just because shooting was good or combat was good. So that, yeah. that was really exciting. Um, so I I think I I want from maybe not the start because it's probably unrealistic, but at some point as 10th settles down is like armies and players with different play styles or, or ways that armies function in the game to all still be relevant. Like we, I don't really want an edition where like, I know we like to dunk on Tau a bit, but if Tau's just a shooting army and, you know, just because of the fact that it's just a shooting army, it can't function or just because yeah. of the fact that yeah. world leaders is a melee army can't function. I think having, having that balanced out would be really nice. I, I think that's really well said. And of course, we did get that version in ninth edition. Of course, I don't think it was as big a window as we had in eighth edition. Eighth edition, we had like an eight or nine month period, which was the um, uh, it was the orc and the GSC codex releases, and yes. then the span between those two coming out, and then the second Space Marine uh, book. That that was just like the calm waters, be- most beautiful forty k I've ever played. It was really really nice. Yeah. Uh, we got, yeah, Nephilim was kind of. I, I think the eighth edition bit was better. I think Nephilim was was good as well though. Um, Sam, what do you want from tenth? Yeah. Oh, look, my new tune is baby. Hell yeah, let's <laughs> go. I mean, I, simple, I mean, I've got simple man. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Oh, cannot wait. Um, look, Gene Steel is my favorite model ever, and like, I love them so much. It's a shame they are. Uh, atrocious in the Tyranids Codex, but amazing <laughs> or relatively decent in the GSC Codex. So, look, let's make Tyranids great again. Um, and look, I'm also also looking forward to the alleged rumour of potentially Exodites. I think that's been a faction that's been rumoured for ages and ages and ages. And look, let's get some elves riding lizards. Let's go. <laughs> legit, legit, though, GW is leaving so much money on the shelf by just not having any dinosaurs in the game. Like, the fact that I can't have a model on a Stegosaurus, like, Get it out of here. Let's get some dinosaurs back. Um, of course, we can go to Seraphon or Lizardman for that as well in AOS. But um, one thing you... Th- this is just interesting to me, okay? So we were talking about Eric before. 
And this thought just popped into my head. Is this the first time that Eric has played a top faction? Can't believe it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's, he's lost his standards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> mate, mate, it's, it's over. He can't profess to be a snowflake anymore. Even though he is the reason that they're top, they're the top faction. He's still... Uh, no, no. Tyranids are in the dumpster fire right now. You should be playing Tyranids. It's the right thing to do, Eric. You know it is. Don't, don't uh, threaten the man. He'll do something with Tyranids that scares all of us. <laughs> Not something that no one... He's got this just pile of, like, Tyranid BS that no one even knows about. Yeah, he's, he's actually just whip be it waiting out. for Adam to say that. And then he's exactly right. Out. Yeah. It's like, you've activated my trap card. Um, so you mentioned something about Tau there, um, which I th- actually, uh, this is this is a decent talking point. Maybe we'll, we'll close on this discussion. But this is something that people say and throw out a lot. And I thought about it um, from a couple of different perspectives. People say, like, um, they hate Tau. People say they hate it when Tau is strong. I've been trying to figure out why. Is it that just that the game is not enjoyable when an army that dominates a single phase is the best? Like I, if, yeah, if, like I think when when stuff just instantly starts to die and you can't do anything about it, it's never fun. Right? Yeah, it's it's like if Guard Leaf Blower is is strong or like Guard in general is strong. Oh, check the matter. Um, and it's like if any <laughs> anything that like you can't really react to is tough. It's it's never good. But also then you have the implied like skill gap. Um, you know that a shooting army is easier to to pilot and, and kill things with than a combat army. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things, and it's I think I think it's easier to get salty when a big gun's shooting you from across the board and ignoring every rule that you have. So yeah, yeah, I mean that's probably why. But as a tower player, I kind of just laugh in railgun and, and continue to shoot. Mm. So it's, it's <laughs> that's fair. So the, the, I guess the to put it in a finer word is that the game is not fun when Tau is the best army. And I suppose that could be extrapolated to be, the game is not fun when such a polarizing army that dominates one phase and wins in one phase exists. Um, whereas you can say, like, I'm not sure this is always the same, because I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's pretty much, I think it's just damage for range that we hate, though. Because when Orcs is the best army in the game, everybody has a good time. Except if it's um, the, all the squeak buggies and all the just shooting volume yeah. shots. I don't think we like that per se. It's exactly. The alpha of it. Yeah, well, I, think like, I think it's like points. if points on the board aren't being put on the board by a player doing something skillful, that's never a good mm. feeling, right? So if yeah. you're just standing back and like rolling dice of people and, and literally doing nothing except for rolling dice of people, then that never feels good. So, And, and yeah, if there's nothing that can keep an army like Tau in check, that's horrific as well. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, Tau is, obvious, is the obvious... It's just an um, example, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the obvious worst defender here, but it could be Admech. Um, we, we said Guard, Iron Hands, ex- for exactly the same reasons. Um, and, yeah, like you said, the Squigwaggy, so the Orc thing, the Orc example doesn't hold water because even Orcs had an oppressive shooting army. And you're like, we, we don't want to get... Uh, so we talk about getting stat-checked, yeah? Getting stat check doesn't feel so bad. Like it's actually it's actually okay. You just feel like, well, I just didn't have the tools. But when you get the opposite effect, where you just get like damage checked, whereas there's nothing I could have done to survive, we hate it so much more. What do you reckon that is? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, right? I think it depends on how the stat check occurs. I mean, obviously, custodes they had their time in the sun for a little bit with all the turn off re rolls and transhuman. I felt some people still don't like that custodes feel because obviously, look, you get stat checked and you're two up and four up invos. Um, but also, that's got that bit of so to use like an MTG term that control elements. Like sometimes you have that those turn off and those negative modifiers. Like when people want to do the thing and kill stuff, but they're unable to do it. Like it feels like a massive feels bad. Like I did literally everything, and whether the, the dice sc- sc- screwed me or the the transhuman and like the 
the negative modifiers applied and weren't able to let me play my game. Whereas with Drakari, obviously, but a different army in the sense of it's a melee trading piece. At least you're killing stuff around turns. Like, yes, I can kill these elves, but there's obviously such an overwhelming majority. You still win the game, and people maybe aren't as receptive or quick to realize, oh, I've lost this game because they're just killing as many elves as they yeah. can while they squeak secretly score. So it's an interesting discussion to have. And I think it's also yeah. worth noting, like, people have that negative sentiment of Tau and say, oh, they're the worst and similar to Guard. But also, I think it's worth my mentioning what that mindset is for the people. So, obviously, yes. this is a competitive podcast. When you come to a competition, you sort of agree and have those terms laid out. Like, the rule of zero is I'm doing my best to win, and whoever is on the other side is doing their best to win. Look, yeah. whatever they play, they play. Look, it's simple as that. Um but it is a hard barrier to cross, especially if you're just playing beer and pretzels hammer. Sometimes it's miserable, right? When you rock mm. up, you just absolutely leaf blow or someone. That's never a fun experience. But when you come to the competitive setting, you can at least have that rule of zero and agree, this is it. Um, I 100% agree, though, that there are ways to mitigate this and actually allow for a, a healthy competitive environment. So, yeah, I th- it's, it's a hurdle to cross and maybe 10th edition helps alleviate that and uh, I'm sure we'll discuss it as well in your uh, ninth edition retrospective, Adam. But terrain has been, I think, a massive topic about ninth edition, and in Australia, we've done various varying things with it as well to uh, alleviate some of those pressures. Mm. Yeah, well, spot on. The, the game got so lethal that we needed to like cover the whole board in terrain. Otherwise, there was no point yeah. playing. Um, that I, I don't like that having to be the case. It puts such a huge burden on tournament organizers, such a huge burden on people to try and make balanced and fair games for each other to play. I'd love to see less need for terrain, as in way less a way less lethal addition. Um, but I don't want to see it go too far the other way. I want stuff to still die. It just I don't want to. So it feels like. And this, this, I'm definitely going to unpack this, like Sam said, in the retrospective that I do. It really felt like this is the edition where the dice didn't matter. That if you could be seen, did not matter what you were, you were dead. Unless you were a Dark Angel Terminator. Like, literally, it does not freaking matter. You are going to die. Um, because everyone just has ridiculous levels of lethality. What do you think about that, Denise? Yeah, like, it's, it's weird that the only thing that really kept the game in check for a while was the terrain, right? Like, mm. could you imagine if we didn't have things like obscuring and dense, like for parts of this edition, or we didn't have things that slowed down, I don't know, some kind of movement in this kind of edition, it would be pretty horrific. So I, I think if we looked at what 8th edition terrain was, and if that was around now, it would be an absolute nightmare. Yes. Um, yeah, an absolute nightmare. Like, even though 8th ed terrain was dense, like there was stuff that was was is really hurting us, um, you know, at range. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Adam. Like, the, the fact that the dice, especially towards the end of the edition, like, didn't matter. <laughs> it it yeah. didn't matter. Like, if, if someone could see the the little head of my Storm Bolter out the side, oh, that unit's dead. That, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's yeah. dead. So... Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And anyway, uh, we, we might wrap it up on this point and go over to part two. I'm recording this on hotel Wi-Fi, so hopefully it's been quite stable for you guys at home. I know my good man Seamus is going to do everything in his power to keep this nice and clean for you guys, um, recording-wise, but uh, do forgive me. If not, I'm still on the road. I should be back in Oz uh, and getting a brand new audio set up in the next month or so, so hopefully you guys will see a little pickup in quality then. Um, but time to, for a final plug from you lads. Sam, take it away. Yeah, so if you want to hear more about the Australian scene and what happens, as well as some extra topics uh, covering the wide world of 40K, as the title suggests, um, uh, catch us on the Down Under 40K network. And as well, there's a bunch of live-streamed commentary games with Australis Tabletop Wargaming. Um, so, yeah, catch me there. Otherwise, looking forward to seeing you guys at the tournament, hopefully in not too distant future. Beautiful.
Thanks, mate. Denise. Yeah, look, thanks thanks again, Adam, for having me on. It's, it's always a hope of fun. And um, for those who are keen, you can hit up the Normal Blokes 40K podcast. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on Facebook. Um, and, yeah, hit us up. And uh, if you have any questions, please shoot us a message. Thanks. Beautiful. Can't wait to enjoy some more Aussie content. And you should, too, if you like what you've heard here, go over to Art of War Down Under over on Patreon, sign up, get that beauty part two, and also Adam's uh, little short shorts, as uh, it's been lovingly named by Kelsey and some others decided that's what I'm calling my little live blogs. Um, just released my episode last week on my recap of the Streamhouse RTT. Go and check out there. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the coverage. Um, where, funny enough, I got tabled by Tao twice. <laughs> was not great (laughs) was not good Uh, anyway thank you so much gentlemen take care and uh, we'll catch you on the next side cheers Adam thanks Adam thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under a content review podcast for Warhammer 40k Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.